0: Section 3 of The Mysteries of London, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Evan Clark. The Mysteries of London, Volume 2 by George W. M. Reynolds. Section 3 The Confidence. So astounded was Markham by this information that for some moments he was unable to utter a word. "'I see that you were surprised, sir,' said the policeman. "'But couldn't you guess where you was when you saw the room filled with the gibbets, real or in pictures?' "'It never struck me who the owner of those terrific symbols might be,' answered Richard. "'I concluded that some man of morbid taste dwelt there, "'but not for one moment did I imagine that I was in the presence of the public executioner.' Did you ever see such a horrible-looking object as his son is? asked the policeman. Poor creature, he is greatly to be pitied. Surely his father cannot in reality have conferred upon him the name by which you called him. I don't suppose that Gibbet is his real name, sir, but it is the only one I have ever heard him called by. You see, sir, Smithers wishes to bring up the lad up to the same line. He wants an assistant, and he thinks that Gibbet is old enough to help him. Besides, there's plenty of work always after assizes in the country, and the London hangman may get the jobs if he likes. He's considered more skillful than anyone else, and after all, practice makes perfect. As it is, he's forced to refuse a good many offers, because he can't be here, there, and everywhere. Now if Gibbet would only take to the business kindly, he might help his father to earn a fortune. If the poor lad had a loathing for the horrible avocation, as well he may observed Markham with a shudder, why should he be forced to embrace it because he can never do it himself good elsewhere? Answered the constable, who will employ the son of Jack Ketch? Why will you believe it, sir, that not a soul visits the Smithers family? "'although he lives in the neighborhood where, God knows, people ain't over this nice, particular, not-a-human being would cross his threshold.' "'Does that aversion arise from disgust or superstition?' demanded Markham. "'From both, sir,' was the reply. "'The people that live in this district are of two kinds, the poor and ignorant, and the rogues and vagabonds.' the poor and ignorant are afraid of the public executioner and the rogues and vagabonds hate him although he's merely an instrument miss Kate goes to market for him and the shopkeepers that know who she is are scarcely civil to her they seem as if they'd rather she'd keep away and you say that she is the executioner's niece observed markham smithers says so himself was the reply and of course i know nothing to the contrary but it does seem strange that so amiable genteel and clever a young gal should belong to such a family her own parents are dead i presume yes sir she's an orphan when the smithers is very dull and miserable with his lonely situation he sometimes comes down to the station and has a chat with us constables and then he's a pretty communicative Told me one day that Catherine's parents had died when she was very young, and so he was compelled to take care of her. All the while, Smithers let her do pretty well as she liked, and it is a wonder that she has turned out a good gal. But she regularly frequented the school established in the parish of St. David's by Mr. Tracy, and in the way she picked up a tolerable smattering of knowledge since then she's instructed herself as much as she could and has bought books with the little money that her needle has produced her but who employs her as a seamstress? as if you say so terrible a stigma affixes itself to each member of the hangman's family inquired richard the old housekeeper at mr tracy's is very friendly disposed towards the poor creature and gives her work answered the policeman Catherine does all she can to console that poor humpback gibbet and she has taught him to read and write ay and what's more sir to pray policeman said richard after a pause the manner in which you have spoken to the relative to that poor girl shows me that you have a good heart is there any mode of ameliorating her wretched situation i feel the deepest compassion for her miserable lot and all you have told me of her excellent character makes me anxious to see her removed from the vile society of that ruffian under whose roof she lives I believe she's anxious to go out sir, service, sir, or open a little school, answered the constable, but her family connection is against her. Or else I don't think that Smithers would care about parting with her. What induces you to suppose that such are her wishes? asked Markham. Because she told me so, sir, was the reply. One evening I went to Smithers' house with a certain message from the Sheriff to London. You can guess what I dare to say. To acquit him with a day fixed for some wretched execution, no doubt precisely sir but smithers wasn't his home so i sat down and waited for him it wasn't in jack ketch's own room upstairs where he went just now and where he teaches his son how to hang by means of that puppet but it was in a little parlour they've got downstairs and which miss kate keeps as clean and comfortable as if they saw no end of company well i got talking to the young gal and though she's never said a single word against her uncle but spoke of him in a grateful and kind manner she let out that if she could spare her then she should like to earn her own bread by her own exertions and then the poor creature burst out crying and said that no one would take her as a servant and that she shouldn't get no scholars even if she was to open a school Markham made no answer but he reflected profoundly on all that he had just heard poor gal continued the policeman after a few moments silence she don't deserve to suffer as she does. My beat is about this quarter, and I know pretty well all that's going on. I see more than other people about here, because I've opportunity and leisure. Besides, it's my business. Well, sir, I can assure you that there isn't more charitable or generous-hearted gal in London than Miss Catherine. If a poor neighbour's ill, it's... Ten to one, but some female muffled up in her shawl knocks at the door of the sick person's house, leaves a parcel and runs away and Then there's tea and sugar and gruel for the invalid, and no one knows who brought it, where it comes from, or if a family's in want, the baker calls with bread that's paid for, but won't say who sent it, or maybe it's the butcher's with a small joint but always sent in the same quiet manner. Then, while the poor creatures, whose hearts are made glad by this unlooked for charity, are wondering whether it was the parson, or the parson's wife, or the benevolent gentleman, or that good lady who sent the things, Kate buries herself in her room and doesn't even think that she's done anything out of the way. "'Is this possible?' cried Markham. "'I know it, sir, for I've seen her do it all.' answered the policeman when she couldn't see me and little thought that anybody noticed her and she the niece of the public executioner exclaimed richard a pearl concealed in this horrible swamp the conversation between markham and the good-hearted constable was cut short by the sudden appearance of the other two policemen who had undertaken to visit the low houses in plumptor street well what news asked richard's companion none was the reply